So here we are, a tough conversation has been had. This client that we think checks the boxes of being a good client is really upset with the first piece. Our strategist is like, yeah, this is tough. Like ideally someone else can take this over. This is not like a good natural fit. Like she's also frustrated as she should be, right? And she's great. I think it was like Thanksgiving was approaching or something. I don't know the exact timing. And then shortly thereafter, you have like a couple more weeks of work and then that whole like Christmas, New Year's holidays there. And we're behind on content. We're not a tiny agency that just started. If this is like your third client or you're just managing three or four clients, there's no question what you do. You step in and take care of it. But when you have 15 to 20 clients, you have a team of 5, 10, 15 people. You're trying to scale this business, get the leads up, get the hiring and recruiting up, and you're trying to, you know, that cliche, work on the business and not in the business. And this one client is upset with the first piece and you have an employee. I would ask this of the audience, what do you do then? In this episode, we want to tell this story that just happened over December, right before the holiday break, that um, kind of was like a tough situation where it's not clear what the right answer is if you're trying to scale your business, what you should do. And basically what happened was we closed what we both think is a really nice client. They signed a one-year contract. And then um, we, we had one of our like great experienced strategists on it. We wrote this first piece for them. The product and kind of their story is we knew it was a little bit tricky. It's a little bit nuanced. We wrote this first story, which is not really an SEO piece. It was like this kind of what we've called like content brand, like these disruption stories, just kind of telling their overall founding story. And they came back and said, this was November, right? Towards the end of November. Yeah, very end of November. And they came back and said, basically, like, can we have a call? Because, like, it's not good. <laughs> Which, like, I think people need to understand, for us, that that's a big deal. Like, we're, we, we're known for extremely high-quality writing. We charge a premium for it. Like we're just kind of known for it and we take it really personally and really seriously. Yeah. And it was the first time that's happened in probably over a year for us. So I, I would say this kind of, yeah, th this was more common, I would say earlier in the business when we didn't have our training process down and that kind of stuff, but we haven't had a client come back on a first piece and, and have really critical feedback like that in a long time or Maybe, maybe they'll have some comments, but it wasn't to the, the state where they were wanting to get on a call and talk through it. Yeah. And it was tough. And I think we, we, one thing we can say, I think, is so we had this like, what, hour call with one of the founders uh, who left the feedback. And he just, you could tell he was frustrated because he had trouble like articulating all of his concerns, which means like, you know, like when you get a piece of written content and you're just like, I don't even know where to begin. Like that's kind of, <laughs> kind of how you feel. <laughs> that's kind of like where you were just like all over the place and like, and he was clearly frustrated. Um, I was frustrated as well in that conversation, but in the end we could kind of see 
I started to understand his like actual concerns with the writing there and the story. And I like, I, I sat down and read the piece again. Now, mind you, the strategist did not write it completely by themselves. I worked with her in that case and heavily edited the piece. So I felt like it was sort of a, I don't know, like a, a ding on. You, you felt, yeah, you felt like the feedback was directed at you because you, you were so involved in, in yeah. the process. And since this, conversation in this story is about and a lot of this series is about kind of the emotional journey as well of trying to scale a business like let's get into that like i he he made this comment about like this doesn't feel like what we've seen from grow and convert and i was so that's when i started to get upset because i was like homie who do you think wrote a lot of the grow and convert content <laughs> like you know what i mean like you and i have written it so like a lot of the content you see on growandconvert.com like i wrote it like and i wrote this so like i wrote both of them and so i started to like it, it was it was a tough conversation but after you kind of calm down and and you've said this a lot like never send an email or whatever when you're angry like yeah and you were you were visibly angry on that call so. yeah so where at the end i think we I, I think I over. had to step in and, and just take over because I could there. I, I don't know. After working with you for so long, I definitely know you really well to the point where I'm like, okay, this is not going to go well if, if you just keep talking. So I'm just going to yeah. step in and fix it. <laughs> I mean, as a side note, people talk about like whether you should have a co-founder or not. Like downside a co-founder, you have to split all profits by 50%. Upside, you can just check out at half a call when you're upset yeah. and then they can kind of take over. And we've done the inverse too. For sure. So Benji took over and the best part was at the end, like Benji like repairs all like things and like everyone's good. And he's like, okay, I'm glad we could like come to this nice understanding. And then he goes, I think I want everyone over except Davish who's still upset or something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs> so like after we calmed down, we had a conversation with the strategist and us. And I think we all three agreed that this wasn't a natural fit for her writing style. She agreed to, she was like, this is just kind of like a pain for me. And so, but now let's get into like what do you do as a business owner in these situations well as we mentioned even, even before we get there i think what's important just when we have these challenges on the writing side from from past experience it usually stems from what we call clarity of thought from the interview itself like the the narrative hasn't especially if the company is earlier on or hasn't done a lot of content marketing before a lot of the issue with just getting that narrative right can come from not really having clarity in terms of what you want to say and and only really realizing that once you see it, see your thoughts fully written down on paper. I, I don't know if that was the case in this situation. You mean but the I know founder if, not knowing what yeah, they yeah. want to say either. I, I don't know if that was the case in this specific situation because you were a lot more involved on the writing side, but I know in the past, when, especially with this disruption story, because it is a story that's so fundamental to your business. It, it's basically telling a story about what you're changing in the industry and what you're doing differently. And I, I think in, in the past when we've done these, these are probably the most challenging stories for us to write. For sure. But it, but a lot of the, the, the challenges in, in writing them, I think, stems from not having a ton of clarity in what you want to say in the specific story or yeah, just not having the thesis fully fleshed out. And I would say when it goes really well is usually when the company has been around for a while, like five, 10 years, 
And they're very clear on the problems that, that they're solving in the market. They've told this story a ton of times. And so it's much easier to write. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that in the conversation, he, it became clear that he was like, well, when I read your guys's content and he meant our posts on growingconvert.com and, and I was like, oh my God, like he wants us to turn their ideas into growingconvert.com ideas. Here's, here's the thing. This is a little bit of an aside to what I wanted to talk to in the video, but it's interesting. Like what we write for a lot of our clients is not the same as what we write for ours. As we mentioned, even in the, the previous video, like launching the series, we, we haven't done SEO content until the last couple of years. So a lot of the stuff we wrote was just like ideas that we thought were really interesting. Pain point SEO is not an SEO piece of content, you know, like we, there's no search volume for that when we published it. Um, and so it takes a lot more than writing as I, I think saying what you're saying in different words, it takes a lot more than writing to get the quality of content that we have on our site where it takes, you need those ideas. Yeah. Well, also just, we can't manufacture that for another company. They need to have those ideas. Now for our normal clients, if they have products, whether it be e-commerce product, SaaS product, a service business or whatever, like it, and, and you're just kind of selling that and doing bottom of the funnel. This is all just like a side, this is irrelevant because you have some product or whatever, you have some accounting software and you're ranking for best accounting software. You're not trying to create some new framework of doing accounting like pain point SEO. That's just not a thing. You're just selling the features of it. And we do that extremely well. We rank for that. We get conversions from it, whatever. But in this case, all of a sudden I realized halfway through the call, oh shit, like this guy wants growingconvert.com. That's like... It, well, there, there's also just a lot of back and forth on the ideas. Like when we come up with an original idea, like even pain point SEO, there, there was probably five to 10 hours just of back and forth conversation about what are the key arguments that we want to make? What's the order of the arguments? All that kind of stuff. And and I think that's what a lot of people don't see when it comes to the writing process. It's like there, there's multiple conversations of us trying to poke holes in each other's arguments before we even get to the writing step, just to make sure that we have a very clear idea. And so when that's not done, well, I don't know if it was done on the client side, but it's not I, as easy I think, to do when you're yeah. a third party vendor. And you um, have like a one 30, 60 minute interview, clients feel like that's a decent amount of time that they've given you. And then they're like, okay, like produce something like grownconvert.com. And then as you're saying, what Benji and I do when we produce some of those like big articles, a lot of them, even the ones that aren't as well known is we, someone drafts their initial notes. Actually, here's like the typical process um, is Someone has an idea, we call each other and we're like, hey, I have this idea for whatever. And you explain it on the phone. And then, or sometimes we're just talking about some other things in the business. And then it comes up and you're like, you know, it'd be an interesting blog post. And then the other person is like, well, what about this? What about that? And you're kind of like thinking it through. Then you sort of do this half draft. One of us does like kind of a half draft outline, sends it over. And then we probably have another conversation where we're like, here's all the problems with this. And you're like, oh, that's actually a good point. So then I would write it this way instead. And then we kind of talk it through and we almost kind of outline it again on the phone. And those are like long conversations. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. So I guess now, how, how does that change then being yeah, so, an agency doing this for a client? Well, so going back to the story, what I wanted to kind of present to the audience to think about 
is let's just so we got into that detail of us writing but but let's zoom back into the story so here we are a tough conversation has been had this client that we think checks the boxes of being a good client is really upset with the first piece our strategist is like yeah this is tough like ideally someone else can take this over this is not like a good fit um natural fit like she's also frustrated as she should be right and and, and she's great and then like, I think it was like Thanksgiving was approaching or something. I don't know the exact timing. And then shortly thereafter, you have like a couple more weeks of work. And then that whole like Christmas, New Year's holidays there. And we're behind on content. Now, then think about what we said in the previous video. We're not a tiny agency that just started. If this is like your third client or you're just managing three or four clients, there's no question what you do. You step in and take care of it. But when you have... 15 to 20 clients, you have a team of 5, 10, 15 people, you're trying to scale this business, get the leads up, get the hiring and recruiting up, and you're trying to, you know, that cliche, work on the business and not in the business. And this one client is upset with the first piece and you have an employee, I would ask this of the audience, what do you do then? Yeah. And I mean, to cut to the chase, we, we, talked through all different options. We said, is this a good client fit for the company? We, we had extensive conversations about that. Is it a good strategist and writer fit? And then what, what do we do when they've signed a, a year-long contract? Because that's actually new to our business as well. We had never really signed year-long contracts before a few months ago. And so we'd, we'd never really thought through or anticipated what would happen if the client, the client wasn't happy with the work. Right. Or that we wanted to not work with the client. True. Uh, something, both, yeah, both sides. It's embarrassing to admit, but there, there's some some gaps in thoroughness of how we structure that one-year contract. Um, so yeah, like basically the, the, the question at hand is, do you step in and work in the business? And it's an emotional question because there's definitely like the emotions, at least in my head. So to cut to the chase, I, I did, right? We decided like, I got to step in and I basically rewrote that whole piece myself. And I kind of hated doing it, <laughs> right? Well, like, I was... also think it's it, it's important to talk about what we just went through. So, what did, so we decided that the client was a good fit. And especially, so some of the key things in, in the call that came out was they they said that they had been trying to find an agency for... I don't know, one or two years, and they really wanted to make this work. They said, if, if we don't work with you, we're probably not going to invest in content because we've already gone through the whole vetting process and you guys are the people to do this. And that, that just personally told us that they're invested in this and they do want to make it work. We've had clients in the past where we've had these tough conversations and they didn't have that positive attitude about things. And we decided it was better to part ways. And so I do think that was a plus for making sure this is going to work uh, to then, then we asked the person on our team if we thought this was a good fit. And at first she said, no, I want to be taken off this account. Um, but after you stepped in, I think, well, she's that, well, that's later in the story, but like, okay. But then moment, one, one other detail before we get to that, I, I think what we decided to do was then pause for a, a one month. So not accept their, their payment for December because we thought it was important to get the pieces right, make sure we're caught up before we get back into the rhythm of producing pieces. 
And so now you can kind of continue your that story. Is, that, about by the way, that in. important detail. Thank you for mentioning it. That's a $10,000 decision. We can say that even though we're normally not going to be talking about dollars here because that we, we, that our, our rate is public. Um, oh, sorry. They're on a one year contract. So it's an $8,000 decision. The point is it was not a trivial decision. Right. And then, so we're pausing for December while we still work. So our team still gets paid for that work. We're just taking that hit. So we definitely, we opted for the do a lot of things to make this client happy. We're basically taking a, a, a bet, right? From a business perspective, you're making a bet um, to sacrifice both, in this case, my time and our like energy or whatever and, and, and dollars, some thousands of dollars um, for potentially having a happy client long-term. Now to sort of reveal like us, I'll, I'll say my opinion, like everyone listening doesn't necessarily like know you and me, like personally, the way we know each other. Let's be honest. That was the only decision we were going to make. <laughs> Just like knowing our personalities and how we've run this business from the beginning. That was the only decision that we were going to make. But the emotional part I wanted to talk about is like, Definitely in my head then, as I am spending like nights and weekends, I have two small kids um, like, and I'm, you know, it's like, we're, we're trying to do all these other things in the business. There's still like a business to run. There's all these other things. And I'm also speaking of working in the business instead of on it. I'm also like helping edit and do stuff to like train these writers um, to help the recruiting process. That's like kind of one of my big like roles I'm playing in there. On top of all of that, spending the evenings like trying to write this piece, you have thoughts. Like I, I hear the voices of mentors and books and podcasts and things we've listened about like growing and scaling a business where it says like you need to graduate to a point where you're not doing the work, where your team is. And it definitely makes you think like, have we progressed anywhere? Like, am I just back to like, you know, like day two? We're, I'm, we're doing the work? Like, we're, like, what's going on? We've been at this for seven years. I shouldn't have to do this. There's a lot of that questioning. And, and to be honest, I don't know what the right answer is. Maybe some more experienced business owner that would, would say, you know, listening to the story would say, like, you're an idiot and you shouldn't have stepped in and you should sacrifice that client. Like, either the client is okay with your team executing or the client churns, but your job as the business owner is to work on the business and focus on lead gen and recruiting or whatever to get that machinery, like work on having the machinery be able to execute this. Another thought I thought is like the analogy to a physical product, like an e-commerce business is like one of the founders or like, you know, executives or something of some like seven figure e-commerce business. Are they stepping in and personally handling the return of a particular unsatisfied customer? I, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I would I would say in certain situations, yes. Like really? they want to I, I do think so. I think they want to win over a customer. That's that's important to them. Or the situation is so bad that it requires them to step in and handle it. I do think that there are situations. And and I will say from my perspective, like I hear everything you're saying, but the flip side is if we can fix that first piece and get the client to a point where they're happy then this becomes an account that does just run itself. And yeah, that's I, the bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I said. Like, that's the gamble or the bet we made. So 
to continue the story, so those are the thoughts, but we but we did it. Because like what I was saying about Benji and I's personality that maybe people don't know is like, that's kind of how we've run the business from the beginning. Like it, for whatever reason, you and I are just not okay with kind of this churn and burn agency model that like agencies do where they're just like churning a ton of clients. They're just getting a bunch of people into the top of their funnel and like they're not stepping in and fixing anything. And, and clients- yeah, I, I feel like if clients put their trust in us, we want to deliver. It's like, that. that's just how we've always been. If like, we, we care about the quality of the work and for someone to say that they're not happy with something, we want to we wanna jump in and fix it. So like, from your perspective then, what were, like digging into the piece, if we were getting into the details now, what were the issues that you had to come in and fix? And then how did that set up how did your interpretation of the fixes and then going in and fixing it and then communicating that to the person working on this account, how did, how did that resolve itself? So these disruption stories, do we have a piece on it? What, what can people yeah, want to con read con Content brand has a little piece on it, but yeah, maybe so that's we, a good idea is we should, we should write a full piece on these disruption stories. Yeah, but nonetheless, in the show notes or whatever, we can link to content brand. Um, we should. And, and so... so so now to get into the content marketing weeds, um, you read that. The disruption stories are basically this kind of first piece we do that tells the, you know, kind of the, here's the problem in the industry that our whole business and our whole product is like aiming to solve. So it's kind of a really important piece that we end up linking to in a lot of the later, like, quote unquote, SEO pieces. And there were two big things in the writing, I think. Number one was our first piece, the one that did not work out. The story it was telling wasn't simple enough. It tried to include too many aspects of what the founder said, like their software is disrupting. That's actually a good point because the, the product itself, I, I think one of the hardest parts about doing our jobs is that you have to like there's all these different features and there's all these different use cases and you have to figure out what's important enough to communicate to the, to the customer and when you talk to a founder so i remember this vividly um i was walking my dog like down through the window that i'm looking at like i took a left and i walked around this block and i remember where i was when i was i was like and i'm listening to this interview that um, our content strategist did with the founders. And I listened to two of them. One of them was the kickoff interview that you and I were on as well. And I'm trying to like get back in the headspace being like, what am I going to do with this piece? Right. Um, and I remember sort of starting to like get a feel for the story and being like, oh, you know what this software and because we both approached it being like the software is kind of complicated or like the story is really complicated. And I remember starting to think that distilling that you're talking about started to come clear to me. I was like, oh, actually, there's actually a, a decently simple version of it. And then I also started to hear these little tidbits that the founder said to our strategist that justified these other parts that she had put in that first piece that they were later like objecting to. And her and I had this conversation where she was like, dude, like they said all of these things. That's what we're, That's what I put in there. And like, our team is awesome and she's awesome. So like, I'm like, I know I'm working We're like, well, this is like a smart person who's like kicked ass on a, like a lot of accounts, right? So that's something that's important to be said, you know, but there's like stylistic differences or whatever. So that was thing number one, where I was like, okay, like there's a distilling, like almost the way we and she was sort of interpreting it was like, you can't take everything they're saying too literally. And also founders 
they talk in weird directions. Like it would be so nice from a content person and a writer's perspective if a founder just in an interview just spit out a perfect story arc. That's not like how they talk about their own business. They're going to talk about some random side feature that they're thinking about because it's some new thing they're releasing. And in reality, when you step back, it's just not that important to the arc. It's just like they're just thinking about it because like that's what they're working on right now. Like, you know how when you talk to software founders and they're always like, well, we don't do that yet, but we're about to release. They always love to do this caveat. It's like, we're going to release this. We're going to release that. We're going to release this. And you're like, sorry, what is the main thing that yeah. you're disrupting? What, what, what do you do right now? Yeah, like, like what is selling right now? For, like, they love to talk about the future because that's where their mind is. That's where anyone's mind is, right, as a business owner. Um, and so you you got to be able to kind of see through that and, like, help them not be their worst enemy, them being the founders, and be like, okay, here is that arc. This is very hard work. And Another aside, you and I have talked about this. Like, I feel like there are consulting companies that charge like hundreds of thousands of dollars for some like one month session that involves like a few interviews or whatever to like tell people their story. They'll be like, this is a positioning or we're hiring, you know, like a McKinsey or whatever. Like I've seen big companies do this and, and that they basically kind of do this. We, we do it for our rinky dink 10K rate, but it's like one month. We do one piece like this, but it's an important piece that like people can't articulate their own story. So that's a thing number one. That is like hard work. And, and back to the emotional story, I think I said this to you a lot when I was complaining during this process. I was like, I feel like I'm doing just like personal Dave, consulting. Yeah, well, like yeah, Davish like... Davish personal consulting. Like this is like a big deal, like like telling the arc of their story. But at the same time, I think that's what they felt like they were buying. And I don't know, maybe that's on us to like not be clear or whatever. Yeah, but the one really positive thing I think coming out of this story, the, this story is always the hardest to get right. But once you nail this story, all the subsequent pieces become easier because now you have buy-in from the founders that you've nailed their their value props and their features and all, all the key points. And so if we can get this right, it should make the account go so much smoother down the road. Yeah, and, and that's what kept me going is that bet. I was like, okay, like if we do this, like it can go smoother or whatever. Um, and then the second part was just a writing stylistic thing of simplifying the actual writing that regardless of that overall arc, even if that's right in telling each part is not trying to include too much is just telling just the core parts and moving on or whatever. So um, I rewrote it like, you know, the strategist and I kind of did some editing passes, we sent it to them. And then that was like a big nervous point, right? Where you're like, okay, I like invested all this time. Like, what if they come back and are like, this is still horrible or something, you know? Then you're just like, oh my God. Um, and they came back with almost zero edits. They were like, this is awesome. This is the exact voice we were looking for or whatever. So that sounds like, okay, that's a nice end of the story. It wasn't, at least for me. I remember when I saw that and it said like, this is the voice we we're looking for. I think I slacked you. I was still kind of upset because I was like, well, so now what do we do? So they're looking for my voice and that's consistent with what they're saying of like, this is not the stuff on growingconvert.com. But I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not what we're selling. We're not selling Davish Personal Writing Services, LLC. Like that's not our business. So like, what do we do now? Yeah, so, so how, did, how did you then convey your writing style to to the writers who are going to be writing on this. I'm thing. not sure I did much more than be like, this is the piece they're happy with. Like, let's write it like this. So then we're working with two people at this point. We have a brand new brand, like relatively brand new writer 
that we're that is writing on the piece, and then we have this experienced strategist. So we're trying frantically to then make up for these November pieces in December, which we're not charging the client for. Um, and December goes by like this when you're an agency, right? Because like the last two weeks are almost shot. So you're just trying to get through this. You're trying to convey. So we think we had like three more pieces to do or something. One of them went to the new strategist. And I'm basically like kind of what you're saying. I was on the phone with him. I remember I was like pacing in this room to my right, like walking around. I, I like to walk and talk. Um, and so I'm like walking around, basically outlining the story for him. Then the strategist is writing the remaining two. And I'm basically like, just follow this arc. So we're doing that. There's edits. There's like other accounts that I'm worried about. It was like kind of a stressful December, um, a rather stressful December. And then we sent one more piece over. I think that she did, our strategist did, but rewrote in the kind of style and story of that disruption story that they liked. And they were happy with that too. And that was like a big relief. I was like, okay, like I can now see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then to, to fast forward, then after the full break or whatever, I had to do a lot of like helping write for the new writer. That's kind of understandable, but there's some promise there. And after all of this, we had a call with them um, just this week. Yesterday, yesterday morning. Yeah. Yesterday morning. Um, a day. And, and by the way, all this feedback so far is happening asynchronously. So we haven't actually gotten on the phone to hear how they how they feel it's just kind of these short comments going back and forth through trello yeah and they seemed happy like yeah they seemed happy they seemed well, happy. I, I asked point blank like how do you feel about the writing from a month ago to today and they said like nine day difference we're super happy now so i don't know i i personally and, I, and the strategist i was like well now you're writing these pieces and they're happy with your pieces like do you still want to come off of this oh, because good point going to the big business thing we have this supply issue, what we'll probably record more videos on, of just because, actually, this is the perfect story. Because our writing is so sort of, I don't know, like meticulous and we have these high standards and it's really difficult and we hold ourselves to it and we come in and we fix these problems or whatever. It's really hard for us to find writers. We cannot, we have an, an application spreadsheet, like a, this database of people who've applied that I think is at 2,000 deep. And it's, you know, we have a team of 10 or something like, it's like, like it, we do a lot of filtering. There's a lot of frustration, like it, it's tough. And so we don't have this huge bench of people just waiting at, you know, with like no work on their plate. That's not a thing. And so it's not that easy. If she is like, I can't do this. It's not that easy. So I have to train this new writer that I'm saying, I have to like rewrite some of his stuff still right now. And like, I don't know if he's going to end up working out. There's kind of like a lot of knowns, but because then we fixed that she was able to emulate what we wrote in those pieces they were still happy i'm like well you also spent a lot of time and she's like hey like i'm down to continue now right with this so it's like whoo <laughs> and i was like oh my god i remember at that conversation i was like oh my god january might be way better because now it's like what was just like me stepping in questioning like what what am i doing like you know we're this deep into this thing or whatever. Um, and, and now it turned into, um, okay, like the account is now in good standing. We have the team can like take over again. I thought that was like a, a big relief. Now, you know, I, I, I agree because the, the flip side would have been 
if she comes off the account, now we also have to find a new strategist to take over, or one of us has to step in as strategist in the interim while we while we find and train someone new onto the account. And so, yeah, there there were just a lot of things that could have gone wrong. Like they weren't happy with the writer you were writing. Does that continue? We need to find a new strategist. Like luckily, everything ended up working out. Clients happy, we're happy. From here on out, I I personally think this is going to be a really good engagement going forward. Like the trust seems to be there now. Um, so yeah, I'm happy with the outcome, but it was a very tough decision when we were having to, to make it. And I think like bigger lesson here is just, you know, there's that famous line of Paul Graham from Y Combinator for the VC funded startup crowd, which is obviously not us, right? We're, we're definitely like a, a bootstrapped small business sort of a different culture, but still of like, do things that don't scale. And the biggest, you know, like one of the biggest famous examples I hear about is like, Airbnb, that at the beginning, they were literally like the founders were on Craigslist, um, just emailing people who were listing their places and saying, Hey, people can stay at you can stay in my living room, or whatever, and being like, Hey, we created this new site, you want to can we list it there for you for free. And they were also like knocking on doors at apartments or whatever, what no one talks about that this story gets at is, so when do you stop doing that? <laughs> like at, at what stage is it okay to still do it? And at what stage is it that you don't do it? If we are a $20 million agency, if we have a team of, of well, forget the dollars. Like, so we have a team of what, 10 to 15? If we have a team of 50 or 100, of course, it doesn't make sense to do that. Well, there, there's well, probably some middle manager at that point or someone that's underneath us that has enough experience to be able to step into these situations. Yeah. Which, by and, the way, and, like, and, and we've had we that. Had. Yeah. But un unfortunately, they decided to take another career path. So that's, that's a conversation yeah. for and, another day. Yeah, we had that for we, a long time. It's amazing. Um, yeah, and, we've and, just had like a lot of challenges on the supply side lately. It's like, so people like, we had someone on pregnancy leave. We had this person leaving. So obviously that creates more constraints and challenges for us in the interim. And so I, th I think in these specific situations, that's also what's leading into to stepping in to the business a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taking over doing stuff in the maternity leave um, situation as well. So it's like, it's funny, like at, at a certain size, you're like almost like a tweener company where you're like, well, we're not like tiny where it's obvious we do all this. We're not so big that when someone goes on maternity leave, there's just like, I don't know, some set process and there's five other people to take over or something like that. And there's like all these directors or something. Yeah, like that middle management. You're kind of in between. And so you're tr you're trying to look, feel and act like a bigger company that where you're delegated, but there are situations that there is no other option besides you stepping in other than letting a customer be unhappy or letting it churn. And that's a decision where I'm not sure what the right answer is. This is what we're doing for us. Like number one thing above all else we've decided, like in terms of values to run a company. And you know what? Like this is maybe another lesson that I didn't think was going to come out of this conversation, but it's an interesting one is like at least one thing that I can say we're confident in. Cause like a lot of this story has been me like questioning what's the right decision. But one thing is like, know where you are on the spectrum of like, what are the most important things? What are the values of your company in terms of like, what is not compromisable? And we haven't 
intentionally articulated this. Like we don't, Benji and I don't have like a document somewhere where we've said this. We haven't like said to each other, but we both just kind of know. Yeah. I bet you if someone were to ask us, how would you handle this situation? And then they gave us multiple choices. I think we would probably pick the same ones. I, yeah, I yeah. We're, we're aligned on principles and values, I think, even though we haven't necessarily done an exercise to write them down. Yeah. And so the one here is like, we just both know the way we operate. We've operated this from day one is like uncompromising. Like the biggest thing for us is client happiness and like high, high quality of output of our work product. And to us, it's like, look, that client stuff could happen next month. Oh, we lost blah, 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 big customer, something, something happened. We're going in a different direction, even though there's a year contract. Like, let's be honest, small businesses, like, what are you going to do? Enforce the contract? You're going to hire a bunch of lawyers to go chase this? Like, you know, like stuff could happen. They could go bankrupt. Anything can happen, right? And all of that time and whatever could be wasted. Or they reach the year and they don't decide to renew. As we explained in the last video, our year contract is discounted pretty heavily by 20% with the hopes that when they reach a year, the results are so good that most clients last for a long time. And we're trying to make that bet. All of these things could go wrong. But it's sort of like we're still okay with it because we just know that we are very firm and our value is, but at least we did not let someone leave saying we hired Grow and Convert and their work product sucks. That's the worst thing for us. And we will just, we're just not accepting it. And if that requires me stepping in and working in the evening, even though like I'm questioning, are we too big for me to be doing this now? And kind of being miserable for a little bit and working over Thanksgiving week and all this, so be it. That's sort of just like, we've decided that that's where we stand. And maybe some other business, if you're, if you're like, I'm not doing this and I'm trying to scale my business, so be it. Just be firm. Like I could see there's a, there's a world in which you make the opposite bet that you're like, no, in my business, or at least at this stage, what's important to me is I am not stepping in on a single account issue. I have a team. And my value is that like I'm working on the business and I will not do it. Very like kind of four hour work weeky or whatever. And the team just has to figure it out. I've listened to podcasts of people that have scaled businesses that say that they did that at some point. For sure. And so I listened to one the other day. It was like, I had a day job. I literally couldn't. So like from the beginning, the team just had to handle situations. And then what you're accepting. So And then that's a sacrifice. So you have to be okay with the downsides of whichever side you're taking. And for me, I'm okay with the downside of like, my life sucked for a little bit and I had to do a bunch of work and I was questioning things and it like, you know, whatever. The downside of the other side is you have to be okay with a client churning, with a client saying bad things about you elsewhere. Like we had a bad experience with this agency or whatever. That's your downside that you have to be okay with. And the plus side is you then can spend the time that I spent rewriting that piece you can spend it working on the business. You could have been getting more leads, growing top of the funnel. You're just like backfilling. You're filling in clients that are churning because they're unhappy with the team. That is a decision that you know I think could go either way. For us, we, we're on one side of that. Um, you may be on another side, but like I think being very clear is probably a good thing. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just kind of waffling. So yeah, that's the story. If you like this video, don't forget to subscribe. You can also get the audio-only versions of these shows wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us at growandconvert.com newsletter for any articles and updates for when these videos come out.